Kim Kardashian and people like her are helping ruin everyday people like yourself and people you know successfully. Andrew Tate is now directly speaking on his charges as Romanian police widen their probe and millions in assets are seized. Two flights crashed in New York. The water wars have begun. We've got all of that and so much more on today's brand new Philip DeFranco show. So buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with the Andrew Tate situation, because there's a lot going on here. So of course, the things we know, Andrew Tate's been detained on suspicion of human trafficking and rape. His lawyer saying there's no evidence of this, but right now he remains in custody in Romania. Still there on a 30-day arrest warrant. They tried to appeal that, the court rejecting that challenge. The Independent now also reporting that detectives investigating the human trafficking claims have seized 3.2 million pounds worth of assets from his home, with Romanian authorities saying that 29 assets, including luxury vehicles, watches, and cash, have been taken. And regarding the accusations of the two separate charges, we've seen differing reports, with some English-speaking outlets sourcing Romanian media, uh, sharing what they say are alleged WhatsApp messages, some appearing to show Tate speaking to uh, allegedly kidnapped women, saying you cannot go out alone. Meanwhile, he advised World News sharing what they said were voice notes sent by Andrew Tate over a period of time to a woman who accused him of rape, an allegation she reported to police, but prosecutors at the time declined to prosecute. This she said after police believed her account, but was told there wouldn't be charges because there was an ounce of doubt. Am I a bad person? Because the, the more you didn't like it, the more I enjoyed it. I loved how much you hated it. Turn me on. Why am I like that? Why? I am one of the most dangerous men on this planet. Sometimes you forget exactly how lucky you were to get by me. Would you rather me pin you down and make you do things you didn't like, or would you rather you didn't like that I was thinking I can do whatever I want to? That's what it is. I'm the smartest person on this planet. Are you seriously so offended I strangled you a little bit? You didn't pass out. Chill the out. Jesus Christ, I thought you were cool. What's wrong with you? With a lot of people hearing that and saying it sounds like he's snitching on himself. We also saw people defending Tate, some saying, hey, this sounds like kink play, that this woman is trying to weaponize. Others going even further, saying they don't believe this audio is real, that it was created by AI. Now, so far, I haven't seen any evidence to, to make that a valid dismissal, but also in general with this story, I'm waiting to see what the authorities say are fully coming from this investigation and what is shown. Because with a lot of this story, there there is messiness. For example, just this morning, you had insider reporting, two women close to Andrew Tate claim they were wrongly named as his victims and have no issue with him. Appearing on the news show Observator in Romania and only known by their first names Beatrice and Jasmine. And reportedly they accused prosecutors in Romania of wrongly naming them as victims. But there you had insider noting they weren't able to confirm that claim and noting that the prosecutors have not named any of the six victims, which they said makes this detail difficult to verify. Right, so then you have people going, okay, wait, so does that mean two of the six women that were named here, they're saying this isn't the case? Or were the two women not included and is this is a smokescreen? And this is Andrew Tate or whoever is running his Twitter account has now spoke on the accusation saying Sunday, anyone who believes I am a human trafficker may as well go and get their 10th vaccine. There are zero victims, zero proof of any crime in our case file. They have arrested me to look for evidence, which they will not find because it doesn't exist. And on the 14th, having written anyone who believes I'm a human trafficker is genuinely a moron. Anyone smart enough to understand the American system is unfair would be mind blown by the injustice of the Romanian system. But to that argument, you had a lot of people saying, isn't the whole reason you moved to Romania because you liked their system, that you thought it was corrupt and it would be easy for you to manipulate. But hey, ultimately that is where we are as we wait to get more information also, as we wait to see what happens with their 30-day detainment, will he be released or will we see a whole slew of charges? Will the detainment be extended? It can go up to 180 days. It's all up in the air and only time knows what's next for Mr. Plenty. And then a Delta flight and an American Airlines flight almost crashed at JFK. And well, thankfully, tragedy was avoided. It's got people freaked out. Right, so specifics, over the weekend at JFK Airport in New York, a Delta flight was about to take off when air traffic control noticed, oh my God, an American Airlines plane was crossing over the runway at the same time. Meaning the Delta flight was going to take off and smash directly into the other plane. With luck 
Luckily, air traffic control quickly telling the Delta flight to stop its takeoff, and we actually have the audio. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. And according to the FAA, the Delta plane came to a stop about a thousand feet from where the American Airlines plane had crossed the runway, which can sound like a pretty good distance, except when you're talking about giant metal tubes capable of hurling through the air at 35,000 feet, going hundreds of miles an hour. That's far too close. With a flying tube from Delta reportedly having 145 passengers and six crew members on it. We don't even know as I'm recording how many people were on the other plane. So as far as the passengers in the flights, uh, their takeoff was canceled. Delta actually pulled the plane back at JFK. The flight was delayed overnight, later taking off the next morning, and all was well. But understandably, the FAA, as well as the NTSB, have both announced that they are launching investigations into how the hell this even happened. Which makes sense, not only because, yeah, you don't want this to happen, but also there, there's, there might be a public image problem, right? A trust problem with this happening, what, three seconds after there was that FAA outage that grounded all U.S. flights last week. With that, of course, being attributed to a damaged database file. Also, there, there was a devastating crash in Nepal over the weekend. So you're in a situation where tension's high, trust is getting lower. Like, I love to deal with these stories, of course. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. But also, if you're a part of the air travel industry, I would especially love your thoughts on this. And then, people in the suburbs of Scottsdale, Arizona, are begging the mayor to keep their water on, and his response has been, water is not a compassion game. So a little background here. The Colorado River is currently facing a crisis brought on by, you guessed it, overconsumption and climate change. With the most dire drought the region has seen in centuries, leading to nearby states draining the reservoirs and using more water than the river can produce. And this crisis has prompted the federal government to ask the seven states that rely on the river to cut their usage by two to four million acre-feet of water. Which brings us to Scottsdale, Arizona. Scottsdale specifically relies heavily on the Colorado River, but these dwindling resources has prompted the city to take some controversial measures. And one of those measures took place at the beginning of the month. Scottsdale actually cut off the water supply for its suburb, the Rio Verde Foothills. And the foothills have relied on the city of Scottsdale for their water for decades. But then, when the forecast for the river looked extremely bad, Scottsdale warned them, hey, we're going to shut off your water to prioritize the city's own residents. And when the Rio Verde residents protested, the mayor released a statement saying, there is no Santa Claus. The mega drought tells us all water is not a compassion game. And the city manager's office saying, the city cannot be responsible for the water needs of a separate community, especially given its unlimited and unregulated growth. So the Rio Verde community is desperately looking for solutions. And while actually two have been presented, both are currently locked in the hellscape that is politics. One, the community could develop its own water district, meaning that they could actually buy water from somewhere else in the state and then import it. But then that idea was shot down by the county supervisor saying that they don't want to add a new layer of government to the community. And so then you have plan B, right? The second option, which is enlisting a Canadian utility company that services other nearby areas. But the issue with that one is that in order to not interrupt service, the company needs the city of Scottsdale to treat the water. And the city has not agreed to do so. So now with no clear path forward, you have a group of residents filing a lawsuit against the city seeking an injunction to force them to turn the water back on. And one of those residents saying what Scottsdale has done is inhumane, dangerous. They've left us without fire protection. They've left us without water for families. Mostly what we have right now is palpable fear. And with the coming summer looming, the lack of an actionable plan for water is becoming an even bigger threat. And so for now, we have to wait to see, is there some third solution that no one's really talking about that's going to come in? Or is there going to be a, a cutting through the red tape? Because right now you got a group of people in a car just headed towards a wall. And then, yo, the rain around me lately has not been a joke. And it's definitely given me a new perspective on the shoes that I keep by my door, my Vessi. And more specifically, their new Stormburst sneakers. Right? And thanks to the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Vessi, these shoes keep my feet dry and warm in the wettest weather I've been in in a long time. And that's because Stormbursts are made for the winter season with the grip and coverage of an outdoor boot 
perfect for muddy hikes. And Vessies are built for everyday life because they actually keep your feet warm and dry through the rain. Definitely a great choice when dealing with unpredictable weather and the must shoe to pack when traveling. They're 100% waterproof and snowproof sneakers that are incredibly comfortable and breathable. Plus Vessies are great for the whole family. They fit like a sock so you barely know you're wearing them. And whether you're hiking or caught in a storm, these sneakers are highly functional and stylish. And specifically, Vessies new Stormburst sneakers are fantastic and a great new style to add to your collection. So go to Vessie.com slash DeFranco today and get 15% off your entire order. Get your style and size before they sell out. And then, bye bye booty, heroin chic is back. That is what the New York Post had to say in a controversial article last year that's being condemned for setting a scary precedent in regards to body image. Since then, there have only been more and more headlines about all this. And just as a heads up, this content focuses on serious issues of body dysmorphia and eating disorders. So if you don't know what heroin chic is, it's a style focusing on being ultra thin, essentially emaciated with pale skin and sunken fragile features. Similar to features linked to heroin use as the fashion world was basically glamorizing drug use at the time. It was mostly popularized in the 90s with people pointing to models like Kate Moss and Jamie King. It also, I guess to say the least, uh, has pretty toxic implications. It was even seen as so harmful and pervasive that then-President Bill Clinton condemned heroin chic fashion photography back in 1997 for romanticizing drug use. And he's not alone. Many others have slammed it for its impact on mental health and disordered eating. So the fact that you had the New York Post and other outlets running headlines saying this style was back was concerning for many. For a number of reasons, including these images and standards can trigger serious body image issues. And the reason I want to talk about this now is timing's important. We're at the start of a new year and it can be an absolutely brutal time for dangerous weight loss and diet messaging. And while I've been open about and talked about struggling with an eating disorder myself, that is a single instance. I wanted to reach out to experts who understand the full scope of the problem. So we talked to Dr. Dara Greenwood, an associate professor of psychological science and the director of media studies at Vassar College, as well as Dr. Carrie O'Grady, the national wellness liaison for the National Eating Disorder Association, and Dr. Kimberly Dennis, a member of the National Eating Disorder Association's Clinical Advisory Council. And something that was kind of universally touched on is that it's worth noting that we live in a much different world now compared to the one that was lived in in the 90s. Right? Instead of magazine covers and TV, I mean, we live in a world with Instagram, TikTok, and other forms of social media that can exacerbate body image issues. And as Greenwood explained, those platforms allow certain people like celebrities and influencers to rise to the top and their presence can have massive cultural implications. They can provide skewed perceptions of what normal looks like or what is valued and sort of what we should be striving for. So there's a disconnect. There's an illusion of, of a peer group that's that should be useful to us, but it ends up being a bit off kilter. And, and displaying unrealistic options for being a person. It's hard to get away from, and it's trickling into peers. So even if you're not directly consuming, your peers might be consuming. And what we're consuming, right, it can be harmful. And it's important to remember that, you know, while we know what heroin chic looked like in the 90s, it may not look exactly identical today. In fact, one of the events that inspired a lot of outlets to declare this new wave in 2022 was Kim Kardashian's very fast and pretty substantial weight loss. Which, I mean, just around the Kardashians, I'm so intrigued. Like, I wish there was a counter somewhere. They, they are so socially significant. You can be like, oh, they're famous for nothing. They matter to a lot of people. And I'm just left wondering, like, how many people got BBLs because they popularized that look? And now on the extreme other end of it, like, how many people are going to get with Govi prescriptions because it's believed that that's what they're on now? But, like, I'm not even going to show you her before and after pictures because I feel like that contributes to an already triggering media narrative. You know, this has been a thing that's been widely covered. She dropped pounds just to fit into Marilyn Monroe's dress, something that she was widely criticized for as being unsafe. I also think it's important to note, like, this is not just a Kardashian and her family problem. This is something people have even latched onto as, like, 
like a meme and a trend are things like uh, Bella Hadid, for example. There's this viral TikTok audio from her that people essentially use to anoint skinniness. We've also seen increased discussion of buckle fat removal, a plastic surgery that's apparently taking off right now to thin out your cheeks. But the main thing being, it's just like this onslaught of one thing after another about how you suck. You're not perfect. Change your body and your face. Also, by the way, a lot of these images are going to be 100,000% unrealistic. And as O'Grady noted, the trend element of all this, it's incredibly damaging. The body that you're living in is obviously extremely stagnant and uh, giving you life and is something that you um, you are living and breathing in. And so uh, just even calling it a, a trend is highly problematic. It's really uh, making an opioid crisis glorified. And here's the thing. It's easy to overlook this. Right? As Dr. Dennis even explains, as we scroll and scroll, we're not always thinking about how media is going to long-term affect our minds and bodies. I think people think when I consume food, okay, that's going to affect my body. But what we consume from out there through our sensory lenses, through our brains, affects our brains and affects our bodies in much the same way. And what kind of sucks is like, we know this. Right? I think 98% of you watching are not under the impression that social media is a complete good for our mental well-being. It's this helpful thing we have in our pockets. Also, it's a poison pill. Though a lot of us, based off of nothing, see ourselves, you know, like better than average. You know what? It doesn't affect me the same way. But that doesn't stop the consumerism of looking to social media for what's the what's the thing to be so I can be accepted. You know, it looks like Gen Z knows that images on Instagram and TikTok are edited or curated, that oftentimes what people post is not their reality, but it also turns out telling people, hey, pay no attention to it, it's not real, doesn't actually do anyone any good. Even though they know it's technically artificial, to say the world you're living in is fake, it's a little bit unproductive because it is nevertheless the world they're living in and it has value to them. And psychologically, there's a reason why the, hey, wait a minute, we know this is a load of crap part of your brain often loses to the, actually, you should look at your phone and soak in the fake things part of your brain. We are just generally very attentive to visually salient things and stimuli. And even with a ton of disclaimers and caveats about the nature of what you're looking at, we have a hard time encoding the information piece of it in the face of all of this incredibly rich visual information that we're getting. And add to that, the, the more universal some of those people or images are, the more locked in they become for us. Like going back to Kim Kardashian as an example, she's on the cover of magazines, on TV, on billboards. Even if you do not care, you cannot escape her. Especially when you pair all of that with the manual and algorithmic sharing of her content on social media. It can almost feel like you have this cool older sister who's telling you like how to put makeup on or what the next cool thing is. But then when she goes from talking about innocuous things like hair and clothes to like diet. Or as we've seen with a lot of these people taking money for like, uh, hey, do you want to shit yourself tea? That is when the consequences roll in. I think it can end up being a how-to guide for people that are trying to look like her. I know that a lot of what she does, she frames as health potentially. I'm pretty confident that the impact is not necessarily a healthy one. But again, I want to note, this is bigger than the Kardashian. This is bigger than pointing a finger at one person and calling it a day. When you really look at it, there are dozens of factors at play. One major one even being the social media companies and their policies. If they have the capacity to build algorithms that can bombard a 13-year-old who does a Google search for what should I eat for dinner tonight, to include extreme diets, pro-anorexia sites, heroin chic images, extreme exercise regimens, then I'm pretty sure they have the capacity and the sophistication 
from a tech perspective to put in safeguards and double checks and triple checks. With experts also really encouraging people to make their own safeguards and draw their own lines. Or for the parents out there, for more parents to be more involved with the decisions around their children. Which is actually something I want to touch on a bit more later. But for the sake of time, I'm going to split this into two parts. Also with this, because I want it to be informative, but also hopefully helpful, I'm going to link out to resources down below for anyone who might be out there struggling with disordered eating or body image issues. No, you're not alone. This is stuff I've battled. I will have to battle for the rest of my life and there is help for you. And that is where I'm gonna end today's show. And whether it be this last big story or anything today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. So while you put those opinionated fingers to work, I'll say, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.